Hello and welcome to a very special podcast. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune, and joining me today is the Batman. Hello. Stars Tyrant. Hello. Rombi. Hello. And George Trevor. Hello, hi. Well, today, the 18th of January 2022, it is our 10th anniversary. That's right, 18th of January 2012, episode 0, our pilot episode, was first released to the wider world on the old website. And what a better time to release such a venture. 2012 was an action-packed and pivotal year for Resident Evil with uh, Revelations, Operation Raccoon City, Damnation, and then towards the end of the year, Resident Evil 6, all being released within a 12-month window. These are titles that had a huge impact on the franchise, both good and bad. We took up the mantle of the RPD Dispatch, which was probably the first podcast uh, that, that was uh, Resident Evil-themed from the old The Horrors Alive website. We had no idea that it would continue onwards for such a long time. And yet here we are, 10 years older, 10 years wiser, mm, we'll leave, you, leave you to decide that, but to celebrate our 10 years, as you probably guessed from the name of the podcast, we are doing a best bits. Our next actual podcast is out very shortly, so please bear with us, and that's our review of Welcome to Raccoon City. And then after that, we're actually doing a very special anniversary podcast where we're going to be looking back on the last 10 years of Biohazard and the last 10 years of Rep. So it's going to kind of be a generational discussion on both how the series has evolved in the last 10 years, because I think everyone would agree it really has changed uh, quite beyond recognition as to what we experienced in 2012 to where it is now. Or is it actually going back to where it was that's the kind of discussion we're going to be having looking back on some of the old games very briefly as well and of course celebrating our 10 years and how we've evolved as a podcast during that time but as i say right now we have a very special treat for all our listeners as we present a best bits of the resident evil podcast from the last 10 years we've compiled some of our favorite moments and mishaps there's been a few as well as some of the favorite moments that the fans have helped us out with um, in our discord for example we put across uh, the request and people have been sending us in their favorite moments and they've been put together uh, it has been a listening pleasure stitching it all together digging back into the archives and finding some of these moments as well and I'd also like to take this opportunity to give a big shout out and thanks to our, our, one of our patrons, Super Dome Man, who helped compile a lot of these um, clips for us. It really helped during a very busy time of the year. So I just want to say that before we start the clips, I just wanted to hand over to everyone just to say a few words. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as someone who wasn't here from the beginning, I sort of, uh, you know, not not to go tread a down an old road again but i sort of famously begged to be on the dead aim one came back for the re5 one was offered a, a you know an invite to, to join the team so there's always been from my point of view and people will tell me it's nonsense but there always has been a certain degree of imposter syndrome being part of these uh, being part of this team because uh, you know you weren't there at the beginning and it's been so much fun and honestly to you know we're we're like old veterans now just sort of dragging ourselves along these days it feels doesn't it guys at times <laughs> you know we've all been here since the sort of late 90s certainly have an online presence since you know the early 2000s in in many in many cases and uh to still sort of be here in 2022 celebrating you know the best project i've ever been i've ever had the honor to be part of to do with uh resident evil and biohazard uh with you guys it's been a joy and a huge thanks to all the listeners who continue to turn up every time we drop an episode every time we show our faces on the discord you've just made it such a joy and that's why the enthusiasm is still there it's it's because of what you give us the, the encouragement uh, you spur us on so you know who knows where the next 10 years is going to go so 
just thanks very much. Enjoy the best bits. I'm the other person who joined late, I guess, in this scheme of things. I think I was a couple of episodes after Sean is on his first guest appearance. I made my first guest appearance. I think it was about July, August of 2012. So a little bit after the podcast started. Obviously, I came back a couple of times. And then it was very interesting when you guys decided to re- return from a self-inflicted, self-interred gap. where You thought you'd done enough after 24 episodes, I think it was. That's right, that- yeah. Uh, that uh, that I was that asked back for to to join you and and join you on a a more permanent basis and that's been a blast. I, I honestly I can't believe. I mean, I think that alone's been about seven years, maybe eight in of itself. I can't believe how fast that's gone as well. It's it's crazy. I I I was still overseas when I was rejoined you uh, for recording. Quite fondly remember being mocked for having traffic noise at my window while I was sitting in a very 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 hot room in Budapest for a couple of episodes. And I was in London for that before that as well for a couple of things. So it was it was kind of a surreal feeling to go, oh yeah, I'm on this podcast and these guys are in the same country. And then of course I came back to New Zealand and I've been <laughs> halfway around the world doing this as I'm always reminded talking about this sort of content at about seven o'clock in the morning over here while you guys are there in the evenings. So much to Paul's amusement when he realized, well, why would you talk about it at seven in the morning? But no, it's, it's been a blast and I, I hope it continues for many more years. It's, it's always good just talking about the franchise and all the cool stuff that's going on and, and trying to be as, as funny and open and optimistic and pessimistic and everything comes with it with you guys especially because you know you, you are great people to talk to and you're great friends and it's um it's always an enjoyable time i thank you all um and to all the people listening who've supported it i honestly can't believe there's so many people that listen to our little rambles and long rambles every time we put drop podcast but every time we put something new out there's always such great response and i'm always very happy to hear and see everything that comes back and and it, it reminds me of my days running the website as well and, and seeing that sort of reaction and knowing that there are really positive fan bases out there and it's really good to to be able to help support them and do stuff that they're interested in so thank you um enjoy the best bits and hopefully we'll be here for another 10 years today that we've been going for 10 years wow it's only felt like about 25 I can remember all those years ago, we were all so uh, young and naive. We even thought Resident Evil 5 was quite good. I've certainly been educated myself sharing this platform. I'm very privileged to share this platform with some very, very knowledgeable fans. And I hope we've made you laugh. I hope you've learned something. We wouldn't be here without any of the fans that have been listening to the show, have been supporting us. We've got this amazing Discord server that's grown with just such a wonderful community. People that were following us from the very, very start, thank you so much, that uh, was born out of the website that we're all associated with and now of course we've got the gleaming new resident evil podcast website that i'm sure you've all been visiting but thank you very very much to everyone that's been supporting us over the last 10 years i've been delighted and very very privileged to be part of it and now i think you're going to be listening to some best bits i uh, would like to put the disclaimer that there was no cheating going on during the podcast i'm sure some of the clips that uh, neptune has cobbled together to make it sound and look as if i was don't believe it. it's all in editing no cheating did occur during the making of our quiz okay from me and all the boys from nasa thank you so much well, I suppose the biggest thing for me about this podcast reaching 
10 years old is that I'm incredibly proud that it's lasted this long and that people still seem to really like it. And it's been a privilege to record it with all of you guys. I remember in the early days, it was very, very raw. It was very much trial and error. And I, I don't think I could listen to the first five or six episodes again. I think they were that bad. But when we had Sean on, it, um, I think it gave us something we, we really needed at the time. And that improved the quality a hell of a lot. And I know we originally planned not to outstay our welcome and we ended it after episode 24 which featured a special interview with DC Douglas which you know the voice actor interviews weren't that common you know around that time you know they very much are now but it was a bit of a coup for us to get DC at the time so that was good I don't think we had any real plans to come back but um, we got kept getting messages from people asking if we would so yeah it was pretty much by popular demand we did end up coming back and of course we added Rob as a full-time member which I think gave us that extra touch of class that really elevated us you know because Rob was such a uh, an infamous name in the community and from there I think our second run from 2015 onwards when we relaunched with the remake HD episode I think it was has been really enjoyable you know we've had some really really solid discussions and you know then we sort of started to expand a little bit with launching Podbean and Discord and then eventually the website itself so I'm really really proud of um, the work we've done because I know compared to other content creators we don't have as much free time and you know we can't produce stuff as regularly as other people so I'm very proud that it's still going I'm immensely grateful to everyone who listens and supports us because that's really the motivation to keep going because it does get harder as the years go on but yeah just immensely proud that we're still here after 10 years and I hope we can keep going for some time yeah so uh, just want to say thank you to uh, to everyone else and also thanks to you guys because it's been an absolute privilege doing this with you so uh, cheers I echo everyone's sentiments, and uh, there we go. So grab some popcorn, take a seat, and enjoy the best bits of the last 10 years of the Resident Evil podcast. Previously on the Resident Resident Evil Evil podcast. Five has one. Genuinely scared the shit out of me. You also have to give Richard Aitken mouth to mouth, don't you? They're just fan-written books, then. Yeah. They're bollocks. Let's say, uh, George, you mentioned Paul Anderson there. Can I swear, please? Oh shit, I've just realised that if Mr. Sorry, if Mr. Spencer isn't here, does that mean he's going to get another expert? <laughs> answering his question. Only you could switch the topic of conversation from Resident Evil 6, which is three weeks away, to, to confidential reports. Um, I really don't like being told to deposit things in security boxes. Keep the faith, it will get better. <laughs> yeah, this, is the low, this is the low point. It's only up from here. Siege mode. Oh, Siege and, um, oh, what's the other one? No Mercy? No Mercy, yeah. They're all starting to sound like WWF pay-per-views, aren't they? <laughs> Vincent, it's your mama. Stop doing those terrible podcasts. It's just <laughs> The strange we- thing is, if you look at him, he actually looks younger in the 70s than he does now. We should Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he is younger in the 70s. <laughs> Of course it's going to look okay. I think that's called aging. Even the bright spark of revelations is a glimmer and otherwise sea of shite. Why has this tyrant got a pair of underpants on? Uh, released back in... Well, I mean, got me off guard now. 2011 and... 2008. Was it? <laughs> ah, was it? Yeah. 2008. No! Only three. Are you sure you're not Time's Nick's, gone very quickly since that, Nick. Nick's gone and researched one of his precious Anderson films. 
you wait for the moment when it, when uh, the new character's introduced and it was, my name's Tyler, I survived Raccoon City. You know, you'll come crying back. 2015 has gone off to a, a good start. It's a, it's a year of healing. Do you think we've finally left all the Wesker stuff behind now? No. The <laughs> um, possible scenario is this uh, Final Fantasy VII remake might open a floodgate in Capcom for, to do 2 and 3. Oh, no. I sound, I sound quite much. I'm not I sound quite much. So. I say castle. Castle. <laughs> <laughs> Too many A's in that. Too many A's. <laughs> this quiz is the umbrella core of our podcast. It's fucking ruined. Who the fuck's Kevin Ford? It just seems fashionable to hate this game, and it's really, really, really not that bad. Biohazard 3. Horror in the horny tentacle mansion. <laughs> is it Cullen? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it is. Gonna be more Kenner than Umbrella Corps. So, I'm really intrigued to start with the negatives. How British? And I'm thinking, right, they're called Molded, but the family's called Bakers. What do you bake? Bread. What grows on bread? Mold. So maybe they're bread monsters. But Ori 7 is the game that has brought me back into the series. There's absolutely no reason whatsoever why this guy at the end does have to be Chris. Yeah. You know, for yeah. the exact same reason the corporation doesn't have to be Umbrella. I think if anybody looks at Seven and says it's not Resident Evil, well, needs to seriously sit down and rewatch Vendetta. The so-called tank control were very tanky. I decide that I'll let all my inhibitions go and dress up as Regina from Dino Crisis. What have we done to upset Capcom that much? Um, we, we made this podcast. I'm still totally keen for hats on all enemies. I really <laughs> am. How far do you think that remake train can run? I have a PAL copy of the original and someone's written in the back in the notes just two words that just says, Be safe. <laughs> Aww. That's lovely. Just watch the opening clip of Seven where Mia goes, Hello! Yeah, to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> How does she go, Nick? Hello! The official podcast view on its canon is it's not canon until it is or not <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like we're like the, the top gear of resume streaming ambitious but rubbish I've echoed John's thoughts in the past that I think the remake of this game is going to be a very different game to the game that we can play collectively here back in my day the PC came on the disc that should they ever marry, then she will actually become Jill Sandwich. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so the enemies in Code Veronica are like probably consistently the most frustrating I think of the franchise. And the bats as well. You know, <laughs> what, you've got bats. You've got bats. Nick, you've got bats. Nick, you've got bats. These remakes, man, they do me in. I tell you. <laughs> Outbreak. 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 I'm not. I'll be. I'm not going to be showing my daughter Rachel Foley one. I won't show a you know woman with her, her boobs hanging out, but I will show a grotesque bloated dead man. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Online games don't have Nick mode. The waitresses at the Biohazard Cafe would dance to uh, the Spice Girl. <laughs> 
Well, there's the takeaway from this podcast. You know, file reference to HCF, and you're just like, whoa, holy crap, I haven't seen that in years. Why did you decide to put that back in there? This conversation literally hurts me. I feel as though Ori 4 is just one of those games that was the product of a Faustian deal that was made between Shinji Mikami and some greater power. As much as you can put on rose-tinted glasses, I just don't think modern players want to play capital games anymore. I think I've had more jump scares in this game than I've ever had in any of his neighbors. People will come away from this game with a smile on their face, they would have enjoyed it. Best storyline in a game since Resident Evil 5. Despite ignoring the large word DEAD written right next to his name, that fucking file is haunting my dreams. When the team calls Chris out on it, he kind of doesn't really have an excuse, as if the writers themselves didn't really <laughs> couldn't come up with a good reason yep. for it. Who tipped off Miranda about Rose and Mia? Do you have an answer for that? Because it doesn't get addressed of the game. Do you know what the plan for that was? I don't have an answer I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new CG production coming up. I mean, if Leon's not in it, I would be very surprised. Basically, what you're saying is if they wanted Village to succeed, they needed Leon rather than Chris. Probably, yeah. <laughs> this canonicity that we, we nitpick so brutally in the West is ultimately much more of a uh, sort of placid thing for them. We just read into these things far too much. Which is ironic, because I know we've been sitting here for the last few hours operating far too much into all this stuff, <laughs> you know. That's what we're here for. Excuse the accent. <clears throat> oh, no, there we go. What are you doing now? No, no, no. Oh, no. No, I won't. No, you put me off now. I won't try it again. No, no, you crack on. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, son. Welcome to the episode 30. Was that it? Was, was that it? Jesus. You've been practicing that all week. I know. Driving to and from work, constantly saying it. Yeah. <laughs> Meeting new people on the street, going, Welcome to the podcast, son. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode one, episode 25, episode 52, episode 71 of the Resident Evil podcast, where our staff members regularly hit the bottle after witnessing a massacre of their team, illegally supplying BOWs to the Eastern Slav Republic in order to make a cheeky offer to purchase Greece. Leading the way and changing the world view on biohazard, we've sent Mr. Spencer to talk at the UN. How dare we! Acrobatically kicking zombies since 2012 whilst trying to cover up all the insidious activities of the US government. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune, B.O.W. of the Deep Blue Sea. Let's see who's joining us today. Once a famous protector of Gotham, now a protector of the law. Some say he was born in the Lazarus Pit, whereas we all know he was born down pit. Less dark night, more where were you last night? It's Batman. (laughs) Quality. Where did that come from? (laughs) 
Really it's really out of the blue. Have you been following me? <laughs> He's been recovering after just one week of playing Umbrella Corps. He has a 100% accuracy record with the rocket launcher. He has more rants than Ben Shapiro on a university campus. It stars Tyrant. Thank you. Hello. He predicted the movie trailer release to the day. His country is virus-free, but our tests show that he's still full of it. Knowledge, that is. You can follow him on the local New Zealand crime watch. It's Rombie. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, thanks. His name is plastered all over some of the most iconic locations in Biohazard. To recreate that authentic mansion experience when he visits his basement, his prisoner trombone player is right on cue. He likes his men like he likes his survival horror. Fuck. Alone and in the dark. It's George Trevor. (laughs) Fuck, I knew I was going to regret saying that. (laughs) It's been been taken completely out of context. And the the bit I added at the end that that sounds very heterosexual has also conveniently been removed as well. Dining on liberal tears and the flesh of his deceased competitors. And a champagne socialist if I ever did see one. It's Mr. Spencer. (laughs) That's that's true. The truth hurts. That's awful. I am no champagne socialist. So we'll crack on straight with the news. Biohazard Mahara Desire which has been released, or at least some of the comics in Japan. The Biohazard Mahara Desire, thankfully, is going to be professionally translated and released into 10 countries on the 8th of June, but not England, not America. Uh, Volume 3 of Mahara Desire has been made available in several European territories. Uh, That was available from the 7th of May, so that's how long ago... Well, it's over a month ago now, isn't it? Nearly two months. Uh, Volume 4 was released on May the 8th, and um, the story is now up to 34 chapters. Biohazard Mahara Desire may have concluded, or has concluded, after a staggering 38 issues. And we can finally look forward to Tome 4 being localised into French. So I'm sure that's on your shopping list. Volume 5 oh yeah, of, of Mahara Desire has been released in Japan. This feels it's gone on for quite a long time, Mahara Desire. <laughs> considering it was supposed to be a prequel to RE6, we are now one year after release. But never mind. Mahara Desire... <laughs> It's finally available in English. <laughs> I think if we go back to episode one, we announce Mahara Desire. What and... a complete load of nonsense it was in the end as well, wasn't it? What a complete and utter waste of time. It's still From not finished. to release. Not finished. Volume one is out now in English. Oh. The remaining four volumes released now between Just... now and July. Mahara Desire news. <laughs> Volume 5 is to be released in English in August. Oh, I've still got two weeks to make it an exclusive. I've got an English translation here. I've just been so lazy about photoshopping it back on because, you know, because it's Mahara Desire. I've got no desire to bloody do it. When there has been, like, Resident Evil 10 that's finally finished off the series storyline and we're doing the last ever podcast, <laughs> I genuinely think this will be unfinished. This, this, this news feed of this fucking comic. Welcome to the Raccoon City Police Department. How can I help you? Hi, Susanna Taylor. I have a two o'clock appointment with Chief Brian Irons. Okay, yes, I can see this in the diary. You see that room up there? That's the Chief Secretary's waiting room. Head up there and she'll sign you in. Fantastic, many thanks. 
Um, yes, uh, how do I get up there? Oh, yeah, directions. Go through that first door in the main hall into a waiting room. Ignore anyone waiting there and just walk through the other door on the next. Continue along that door, watch out for drips from the ceiling. Go past the set of double doors until you get to the end of the corridor. Go through that door and take a lift and proceed to walk up the stairs one level. You getting this? Yes, yes, up the stairs, first floor. Carry on down this corridor past the oddly colored statues and the priceless ruby it holds without security. Go through the next door and down that corridor. You will then need to enter the star's office. The star's office? Surely I'm not authorized to enter that part of the building. It's okay, no one's there. They're all dead. Don't inspect the main desk though. You will find in the star's office room a unicorn medal. Pick that up and then bring it back to the main hall. What? With the unicorn medal, place it in the relief over there. The statue will move slightly and the spade key will be revealed in the bucket of water. Take the- Wait, wait, why do I need to do this? Can't I just go and get the key now? I could probably reach it if it stood on the edge. Uh, if not, I'm sure you have a copy of the unicorn medal behind the desk that I can use. Clearly, you are not a resident of Raccoon City. This is not how it works. With the spade key, walk back the entire route you just took and you can then unlock the door at the end of the corridor. Why is it locked? Well, we can't just have any Tom, Dick or Harry snooping around. This is a police precinct, madam. You have literally just told me to go into the elite police branch's office and find a hidden medal. This makes no- In this new corridor, take the only door available and you're then in our library. Yeah, of course I am. Stay on the same level and exit the library and you will be on the balcony above. Walk around and enter into the waiting room. Simple. Incredible. Thank you. And when I finish my meeting, do I have to conquer this entire building again? No, don't be silly. Head back over the balcony and you can use our 15-foot emergency evacuation lab. Perfectly safe. I have to say this is absolutely ridiculous. I will be speaking with the chief about this. Mark my words. Now, before I go, can you point me in the direction of the nearest bathroom? Um... For the love of... I just want to ruin the entire game for all of you. Um, you know, uh, when someone says something or you see something in a completely different picture, you can never see that same picture ever again because someone's pointed out a fault with it and you're always drawn to that fault or something like that. Next time you play the game, in the main hall, go up to the banister, the kind of balcony that connects both sides, which goes over the stairs, and the back of Resident Evil box always says, will you discover the, the source of the Resident Evil or something? And I used to, like, before I completed the game, I thought, Perhaps the house itself is actually alive or something like that. And when you stand in that middle of that balcony and look down and the, the camera angle kind of looks down on the hall as well. And you can see the two archways underneath and it looks like a face. Cyril Snare. Not Cyril Snare, no. But you've got the two he, archways. He built the mansion. It's a black eye and it's got and it looks like a face and an evil looking face. And I was genuinely convinced that the final boss would be a giant <laughs> an archway. I, look I at think, Nick, I think you've got mental problems <laughs> uh, because you see the scary faces in inanimate objects.
You should apply for the umbrella. Yeah, fit right in. So, sorry, I, I skipped a bit and said, yes, we now see the implied reason as to why there's a vendetta with what can only be described as the world's worst wedding. Being hit by a drone can't be the, uh, the best way to tell the kids. I found that shot where they show the explosion and it's really, really wide. It plays comically. Did anyone else feel that? Like, instead yeah. of it being really visceral and close, you've got this wide shot, and all of a sudden it's just like... Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. And I was like, it reminds me of an old cartoon. It just it, it completely... The tone is literally all over the fucking place. It just has no idea what it wants to be at all, this movie. And in the book, doesn't it actually show Diego saving... Glenn. Yes. And that's why he's also pissed off because he wanted him to save Sarah. Yes, that's right, yeah. Mm. That would have been a bit more exposition. That's so much better. Why is that not the movie? And Sydney just wakes up under a pile of rubble with the dead hand attached to his hand. I've actually got it playing in silent and on another screen and it's just it's just comical. That bit you just mentioned, the uh, distant shot of the... <laughs> You're right, it's hilarious. I just just paused it. I went, okay, see what you were trying to do there, but what you just did was unintentional. It's just Wiley Coyote blowing himself up. Screaming is fucking fucking horrifically bad. So I suppose the question is do we know know, where where this drone came from? It's mentioned in the novel again. I mean, I don't don't, don't like to bring up the live action, but we could get another, Mm. inevitably, another announcement. Mm. I'm pretty so sure been, they already. I'm pretty today. Yeah, they announced that they were making two more after. Oh yeah, six, six and seven has been announced today. Has it really? And, and a possible reboot. It Millie needs up. to die. Yeah, it does. Milijovic got nominated for Razzie today as well. Has yeah, worst ah, Excellent. For what film? Retribution. Yes. For all of them, hopefully. <laughs> I haven't seen Retribution yet. So Why do you like it? Why do you like them, Nick? They're utter shit. Like, I like but it. Even if they're not Resident Evil, they're still shit films. I like I, them. It's wrong with you. Giggle. I did have a good giggle at Sally Carhill being painfully dubbed over the Ada actress in the movie. I didn't realise they'd done that, and it's a bad dub. All five of them are just poor films. Oh, I like the first one. Yeah, I never really got how people like them, even the as The first just... one's bollocks. It's just a cheap Aliens clone with no character development whatsoever. <laughs> it's shit. I think the only thing people remember in the first one is the laser scene. That's yeah. it. That's and the that only was, really I, memorable I wanna, scene. I want to just. I think we should do an entire podcast. that's like an hour of John just ranting about the films. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> so that. easy to listen to his voice. None of these areas are ready yet, but the game will launch on January twenty fifth with the basic tour of the OPD that you're about to take. And then the other environments, like the sewers and the laboratory that we patched in, 6 to 12 days after that. Absolutely spectacular designs. Spared no expense. And we can charge anything we want. $2,000 a copy, 10000 and the fans will pay it. And then there's the merchandise. This remake was not built to cater only for the die-hard fans. Every gamer in the world has the right to enjoy Resident Evil 2. Sure, they will. But we'll have a coupon day or something. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, the lack of humility before the original game that's being displayed here uh, uh, staggers me. I think things are a little different than you and I have feared. I know, they're a lot worse. 
Now, wait a second. We haven't seen the full game yet. There's no reason. Well, let him, let him talk. I want to hear every viewpoint. Don't you see the danger uh, in inherent in what you're doing here? Uh, remaking a classic is one of the most devastating and awesome powers in this industry, and you wield it like a kid who's found his dad's gun. It's hardly appropriate to stay. Uh, if I may, if I may, I'll tell you what the problem with what you're making here. It didn't require any discipline to achieve it. You know, you saw the fan-made remakes, and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of loyal fans and modders to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you patented it, unpackaged it, slapped a bunch of pre-order incentives, and now you're selling it. You're selling it. I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our developers have done things which nobody has ever done before. Yeah, but your developers were so preoccupied over whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should. Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid is on the verge of extinction. If I created a whole remake of the original Metal Gear Solid and saved the franchise, you wouldn't have anything to say. No, hold on. This isn't some series that was destroyed by corporate meddling or internal dispute. Uh, Metal Gear Solid had it in its shot and Konami selected it for extinction. I don't understand this Luddite attitude, especially from such a strong fan of Resident Evil. How can we stand in the light of nostalgia and not act? Oh, ho ho ho. What's so great about nostalgia? It's a misleading, tainted act that destroys what it remembers. What you call nostalgia, I call the rape of the original game. The question is, how can you know anything about a classic that's over two decades old? And therefore, how can you assume that you know what fans want? You use the over-the-shoulder viewpoint. I mean, you picked that because it looks good, but the original game was made in a time where fixed camera angles and tank controls were prevalent, and old-school fans of that will lash out, violently, if necessary. Neptune, if there's just one person here who can appreciate what we're trying to do. The industry has changed so radically, and we're all running to catch up. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look, the original game and this remake. Two games separated by 20 years of development, just thrown into the mix together. How can we possibly have the slightest idea of what to expect? I'm going to start off by saying, so I was playing Resident Evil 6, and I have to say, for the first time since remake, I did feel that I was back at home with survival horror. All the elements of the tense suspense, the creepy atmosphere are all there. And what's more Resident Evil than playing with Chris Redfield, driving around China in a Jeep, chasing a Mazda MX-5, shooting a machine gun, wielding B.O.W.s. <laughs> oh, just like the good old days. Oh, dear. Absolutely shocking. I didn't like the controls. I didn't like the cover system. I didn't oh, like the yeah. HUD. I didn't like the inventory. I didn't like the healing options. I didn't like the graphics. I didn't like the Huavo. I didn't like the quick time events. I didn't like Simmons. I didn't like Chris's action. I didn't like what they did to Pierce. I didn't like Jake's scenario. I didn't like Carla. I didn't like the massive B.O.W and I still don't like Cucumber. Batman, any comments on G4, G3? Well, I just thought I was on drugs when he started running around the buildings. When he jumped... Like, are we going to get some sort of reimagining of the Clock Tower fight and then he just sort of jumped onto the side of the building and started doing circles. I was like, what the fuck's going on here? Well, I think that's a nice boat, the quids are over you. Because no one, no, no one thought about that. No one looked at it and gone, that's a nice cruise ship. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope the captain doesn't drive too close to you. That's going to be a dated joke. Though. Oh, you mean that, that cruise I, ship? I do mean the Italian uh, cruise ship. Yeah, yeah, that cruise ship that sunk off the coast of Italy. Interesting, that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you think, you think, that, you think that's a, uh, it's a Capcom viral marketing stunt? <laughs> yes, they sunk an entire cruise ship to come at one game. Yes. I'm blind. 
So you, st- you start in episode board. two with an apology then, John. <laughs> to the family, no, it? I reckon that's why Capcom can't afford a decent translator because they <laughs> pissed away all their money buying a cruise ship to sink it off the coast of Italy to promote a game coming out of the 3DS. It makes perfect irrational sense. I think it's there must be some truth to that. But yes, there must be some. <laughs> yeah, there was no one on the cruise ship. They just sank it. That's all he did. No, they put the old translators on it. No, no, they wouldn't have done that. But in fairness, though, the reviews that have been out so far have said the Queen's Zenobia is one of the best locations the series has ever had. See, I'm telling you, it's a nice place, that cruise ship. Decaying flesh rotting on a reanimated corpse. Triggering V-Act. Amphibian DNA injected into human embryos, resulting in hybrid hunters. Dehydrated humans undergoing violent mutations, rejecting eyesight and mutating an elongated tongue. Naked biological abominations, marching relentlessly with unnatural discipline and claws. This is not just a biohazard. This is a Project Umbrella-inspired biohazard. Luckily for me, I only noticed the second time I went through, that's where the BOW gas rounds are. Mm. So if I hadn't have gone back there, I would have missed them. And you obviously need them for the tyrant fight on the plane. So I got lucky in that respect because I could not remember in the game where the BOW gas rounds were. Yeah, I wish someone told me that's what the BO gas rounds are for. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick, because I don't tell you this. I put it out on our Discord. I said, what's everyone going to use there? But I'd already got past the... Everyone said, use it on the tyrant yeah, on the aeroplane. Tyrant, and you already passed. That's not everyone else's fault. That's your fault for running through the game and not checking earlier before you... Should have you got them. What do you tend to use them on, Nick, in previous playthroughs? In playthroughs, I've, right at the end of Claire's game, when you are wandering through the Antarctic Terminal, the main area, if you remember the... It gets repopulated by zombies. The main sorting office area, huge. So, so what BOW mm. did you use it on, Nick? Zombie. Zombies, oh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you could say the clue was in the, the name, Nick. The anti-bow gas rounds. The most powerful <laughs> bow in the game is the tyrant. But the weakest is probably the zombie. But it takes out, it takes out you know. all of them. That was the whole point. The gas fills the room. I was able just to jolly through. So, They're on the floor. I was quite so, happy with my outcome. So the... I also got caught looking at the magical hats. There's two magical hats, isn't there? I always think they're like wizard hats. Are they hats? I always think they're hats. Party hats. Party hats. Party hats. Are they party hats? I always thought they were wizard hats. (laughs) Why why would they be wizard hats? They're they're carnal party hats. (laughs) (laughs) It just looks like a. Well, it's got it's blue with yellow stars. It looks like a traditional wizard hat. A Lord Lord of the Rings cosplay party. (laughs) (laughs) So you heard it here first, folks. Uh, Leon is a Lord of the Rings fan. They seemed a welcome party for him. <laughs> if only that could have been a question. What fantastical item would one find in the West Place? And we all would have been like, fantastical item? What's he talking about? And then he would have been like, there's some wizard hats. And we would have been like, they're not wizard hats. It's canon. Leon likes wizards. It's canon. <laughs> Before we crack on, I'm afraid, gentlemen, we've received a complaint. 
Oh. oh, yes, I'm afraid so. Believe it or not, Mr. Spencer, it's not your fault. We've had uh, an email complaint from uh, an unknown gentleman, and it's come through to the founder's email address, and he's passed it over to me so we can all hear what he's had to say and so we can respond accordingly. So what I intend to do was just to read that out to you and, well, we can all reflect on what is, quite frankly, uh, serious accusations here we go. I was appalled by the recent Project Umbrella podcast episodes in which you show a blatant disregard for some of the finer Capcom titles. I'm sick of the bias. Where is the Operation Raccoon City coverage this series? Where are the reviews of the Anderson movies? You already let hundreds of us down with your hilariously unfunny Gaiden episode, and now there's been no Mahara Desire news for, what, two episodes? I've been waiting patiently for the long-awaited Confidential Report episode, looking forward to an in-depth analysis of Tyler Hamilton's mission and the potential of the MS virus being the most important and most powerful virus in the series. But what do we get instead? A four-part, oh, aren't you so clever, Revelations 2 episode, where you you got practically every prediction wrong. You know what I think? You need some new blood. I've been a long-standing fan of the franchise for two years now, right the way back to when Biohazard 6 was released, so I know my stuff. I can bring quality discussion, humour, and a bit of sexiness to what is, frankly, currently a very dull podcast. I mean, you have a host who won't play on any of the game modes except Easy. That about sums things up. You even call yourselves Project Umbrella Podcast, yet actually only one of you works for Project Umbrella. I hear legends about Neptune and his legendary knowledge, but frankly, he may as well be spinning a roulette wheel when dishing out some of his facts. Every time I hear George <laughs> Trevor's voice, I want to puke. I especially cannot stand his god-awful, chirpy, gerbil-faced optimism. Whoa. And as for that Whoa. Batman, what an unbelievable git. He can't even explain how the viruses work properly. Hmm. Star's Tyrant is simply a washed-up has-been of the community, desperately trying to stay relevant oh. by clinging on to his glory days of being a staff member on rehorror.net, a far, far superior website. I haven't even heard Mr. Spencer this season, so assuming he died in prison somewhere last year. <laughs> and as for this new guy, Romby... As in a zombie, hilarious. He should be on Channel 4. So in short, gentlemen, I'll be switching my allegiance to Reliant Horror from now on for their quality news and Resident Evil coverage. P.S. I know you won't even take this letter seriously because it's written in English and not Japanese. But rest assured, (laughs) there are no mistranslations in this one, you insufferable twats. (laughs) Wow! Wow, That's harsh from Newsbot. (laughs) (laughs) He can go that far. Wow. He had me at sexy. To be honest, you know, I was kind of nodding when uh, he said that I was in prison. So I hadn't died in prison, obviously, but I have been in prison. Um, but so he's kind of right. But uh, so, well, uh, shocking. I think what you'll all agree is a very, very strongly worded email from an anonymous person. He's quite happy to write that, but not actually tell us who he is. So, um, other than just insult us all, what was the point of? That? Controversial, challenging, demanding, explicit, and that's just Batman playing Ghost Survivors. Resident Evil 2 Remake has been a game long in the making and requesting. The original is quite rightly heralded as a cornerstone of survival horror on any platform, taking the original game, amping up 20 times, but still retaining the horror and tension-filled atmosphere from the Spencer Mansion. In the glory days of the PlayStation, this was one of the first blockbuster games that took what was seen as a nerdish and geeky pastime into the mainstream, famously being immortal 
satellites in the TV show Spaced and spawning a devoted following in the process. As soon as the original game was remade, the clamour for Resident Evil 2 began, and now, in 2019, Capcom have delivered. As we discussed in the last podcast, on the whole, they've done a sterling job, both in terms of graphical ability and bringing proper survival horror to the masses. However, as dust settles on this masterpiece, we now must question where this sits in what has generally been a fairly consistent 20-plus year biohazard narrative. Is it to be ignored and cast aside? Glorious reimagining, just like Operation Raccoon City, or does it replace the beloved original in one fatal swoop? And if so, what about the many other games intrinsically linked to this series? Is this game canon? Batman. No. You loved Big Head Mode in the 1990s. You devoured Zombie Mode in practically every game in the noughties. Now prepare yourself for the next mode to take the video game industry by storm. Coming exclusively to Resident Evil 2 in 2019. Hats on all enemies mode! Following the overwhelming positive fan reaction to the new tyrant, we thought, why not charge people for more of this? Pre-order now for an additional $9.99 and you can experience hats on all enemies. Zombie. Nice hat. Liquor. Nice hat. Brian Irons. On the ground, hands behind your head. Nice hat. And that big plant from Birkin's lab? Well, strap yourself in, because that's wearing a fedora. So prepare yourself for a top hat experience with the game mode of the generation, only with Resident Evil 2. pre-order exclusively at GameStop to get that essential hat for Ada Wong. Nice hat. You're trying to look like a secret agent. All right, um, well, I've got a couple of questions here from a, a staff member on our forums. Um, she's a big fan of your work, and she's a big fan of uh, the character of Wesker in particular. So you can imagine, like, her disappointment with not being able to make it due to uh, work commitments and the Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Can I just take for a moment there? That was really kind of funny on my end, listening to you saying she's a really big fan of Wesker, and then I hear someone go, unzip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard that, like, yeah. Okay, I get it. You're a fan. All right. <laughs> I'm just going to say now, that that wasn't me. No, no, I mean, it wasn't. Let's all just get a little relaxed for this interview. Okay. It's the only way I can conduct them, to be honest. <laughs> I've got to have, like, half a glass of Merlot first, and then, you know... We're, we're like... And then let's get naked. <laughs> The cut content uh, with regard to Ada Wong and whether that was something that was already removed by the time you came on board or... That was something, like you say, during the kind of the process and and, and uh, as the story develops, uh, was felt wasn't needed. It never got beyond an idea, is is what I'll say about that. To the best of my knowledge, it was never the only uh, stuff relating to that that I saw was some grey box previs that I was sent to do a writer's test for, you know, when I was in the process of being hired. That's literally the only time, and even then at the time, they didn't actually tell me that it was supposed to be Ada Wong. I didn't find that until later. Uh, that's the only time I ever saw that, and it's the only time it was ever mentioned, that it was never, to the best of my knowledge, it was never seriously considered, you know, to be 
part of the game and certainly by the time i flew over to japan and and you know got in the writer's room it, it wasn't it was never mentioned again how could the nemesis and by extension the entire game compete what new ideas can remake 3 bring to the table and can it successfully manage that slight dial turn on the action while still retaining the quintessential survival horror feel let's find out brief impressions please stars tyrant hang on a minute nick so i've got to prepare myself for this one so just just, just all bear with me there we go <laughs> right mm. <laughs> there's so much to say I will say I had a fun experience with it playing as a game I think the dodge mechanic is an, a really neat wonderful addition and I think for I don't know about two thirds it's a mostly clever modern retelling of Resident Evil 3 and if you look deep into it like you can actually see how they've you know put like a modern spin on many of the events that are in the game however Post the hospital section is a game and a story that missteps so hard I can't recall a ball drop this fatal in a Resident Evil game for such a long time to the point where it derailed the entire experience for me. I think the last sort of third is absolutely woeful, to be honest. Um, how have you found the overall experience of being the uh, the community manager for uh, Resident Evil? Oh, oh my gosh, it's uh, it's been an absolutely amazing adventure so far. I mean, you get to travel, uh, you get to learn so many new things, you get to meet a lot of new friends and people. Uh, every day I get to speak to a lot of uh, people who share my passions, and honestly, it's just such a privilege to do what I do. I feel very grateful, and I still have days when I kind of wake up and I'm awestruck, like, oh, I gotta get to work. Oh, wait, I work for Capcom! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, that still happens. One thing I will say is uh, one of the most rewarding things and one of the most things I've been the most excited about since I started working here is uh, seeing how much the Resident Evil community has grown. There's a lot of new people who are either discovering the series for the first time or they're kind of remembering like, oh, wait, is that the game I played back in 98? Oh, man, it's coming out again. And, you know, say so they replayed the series. Um, so that's been something I've really enjoyed is kind of seeing so many new and old faces returning to the community and um also just you know as i said being a hardcore re fan myself uh seeing everyone's everyone's sharing their creativity and seeing their streams and videos and art it really kind of has reignited my own passion for the series a lot as well so yeah all in all it's it's been it's been fantastic Sample obtained. This one's mine. Sample obtained. Sample obtained. Sample obtained. There it is. There it is. Stars Tyrant, are you still with us? Yes. I have um, purged most of my anger, so um, it will not be as uh, animated or as excitable as I think people yeah. will expect, because I, I have to dial it we'll down a bit. We'll see about that. We'll see about that. Right. Um, three of us have played it. I'll moderate. Um, Stars Tyrant, you can go last. Romby, what's your brief impressions of Umbrella Corpse? It's shit. <laughs> <laughs> it is brief, you're right. <laughs> um, no, I didn't play the whole game. I played the demo that was free over the last oh, weekend. Yes. Really, really poor <laughs> like I, honestly what am i supposed to say that's positive about it i mean it's a game <laughs> it's online <laughs> no honestly i i don't even know where to start and no, i obviously don't have access to the whole thing it was long waiting times even though 
I would think that the free weekend was supposed to be busier than normal, so if it's like that all the time, then I hate seeing what it's like when that wasn't a free weekend. The gameplay is monotonous, is not really fun, not really well explained. Mission types, um, I didn't play the experiment part of the game, so that could be different or worse or better, but pretty lacklustre. Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I told you, it was summary in, in two words. Much uh, on a more positive spin, uh, let's turn to Mr. Anticode Wanaker himself, Batman. Well, I've read about all the hate the game's got, and I can accept that. My only counter-argument to it all is that I just think the game is simply, it's just not as broken as what people have made it out to be. It's cheap, it looks pretty poor, it doesn't play fantastically, but we knew all this from the very moment it was announced and the reveal trailer was shown. All throughout the last year, we've seen countless trailers and gameplay videos showcasing an average-looking game, and the previews from people who played it suggested it was never going to be great. And yet, all of a sudden, when it was released, people went into it expecting it to be a multiplayer shooter equal to the quality of, like, Doom and Counter-Strike and Unreal Tournament. So it's no bloody wonder people were disappointed with it. My experiences count largely with just a single-player experiment mode because I'm not much of a multiplayer gamer, and when I did try it, I got my ass handed to me every single time. But uh, I just classify it as dumb, mindless fun. You know, the, the zombies react beautifully to being shot, far better than both Chronicles games. After 20-odd games, we actually have some decent-sounding gunfire effects. The BOWs were quite fearsome and an actual challenge, and I thought the maps were pretty fun. The controls were fine, the camera was fine, and... You know, I enjoy coming home and spending half an hour on the game. It does get boring quickly, but in short bursts, it's fine. So, yeah, fuck you all. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This perhaps, because obviously in the Japanese version, Chris is referred to as a gorilla, which I think is an inside joke within the Japanese community. And this obviously leads, one of the most hotly debated things within the community is which takes the lead in terms of like the storytelling and ultimately canon because there is quite sometimes vicious debates amongst the community as to like whether the core Japanese script is the canon and any differences to the English version you always tend to go the Japanese obviously we know in more recent years we believe it's written in English first and then translated into Japanese is there much truth to that and could you sort of elaborate if you could uh, which does take the lead more was it like more your writing or you know do they inform each other kind of thing well, first of all, I'll say I'm relieved that I thought this was going to be a question about Wide Chris uh, with his new character design image, <laughs> which, again, nothing to do with me. Um, so it is a, it is a bit of both. Uh, the English script, I, I, don't, I can't speak to previous games. I don't know exactly how Seven worked, but I know for this one, the English script is the canon, as it were. Like, I wrote my script first. Uh, again, all in collaboration. Yes, you know, working from often from previous supplied uh, by Capcom and, and what have you. But nevertheless, it was, you know, I was writing an original script, as it were, which was then being translated almost simultaneously, uh, mostly by Dezaki-san, I believe, uh, into Japanese. But of course, part of that is translating and part of localization in general is translating cultural references uh, and keeping, as you said, references in localized versions of prior games in a series. So the stuff about, yeah, referring to Chris as a gorilla. You know, I didn't write that, but I have no doubt that Dezaki-san, when he was, you know, translating and localizing back into Japanese, would have put references like that in there. Uh, but in terms of, I mean, you know, when you have something that's localized like this, and especially something that has been originated in two 
different languages it's so hard to say what is canon and what isn't all i can say is that you know i wrote my english script first and then it was translated into japanese but which one you want to regard as canon you know that's that's an argument that i i don't want to get involved in mm, alan's funny stories <laughs> uh, just have a one quick funny story before the news on line four we have roy from bungie hello roy hello funny story what is it after completing resident evil revelations i sold my nintendo 3ds through the local paper and then six months later i received the very same one back as a birthday present from my brother-in-law minus the power pack i see so you uh you the present you gave away you then got back yep that's it goodbye <laughs> What a funny story. Alan's funny stories. That is a funny story. I mean, this is actually one of my favourite subplots in the series because if you put the files together from Resident Evil 2, 3 and Outbreak and Outbreak File 2, it gives you the complete picture of what's happened to the police. It's really, really good. To explain the downfall of the police, you have to go back two days earlier to September 26th and it starts with the infected restaurant owner coming to take shelter in the station. You know, the one who had the jewel in his pocket, which you need mm. to use on the City Hall clock. He's infected and he, he's shot to death and Marvin has to suspend him investigation of the theft of the jewel because there's not enough officers because of what's going on in the city and that same day the station's attacked by a large number of zombies you know let's assume this is why all the windows are broken in the various corridors because they've smashed the way inside you know many officers and civilians are killed during this david ford writes about how an officer saved him but when it, the time came to repair the favor he was too scared to help the survivors uh-huh. regroup david ford writes the first operation report i think today yep and i like to think this is what the plan you can see on the chalkboard in the briefing room oh yeah because if you go up to the description it says that something like a strategy was being planned here yeah and i think this is when chief irons comes out of his office and starts killing anyone he comes across i think there's a file saying he shot someone called ed in the back in the back yeah, yeah. the look of sort of i think pain on his face was exquisite or it, something as he died in front of him that's right yeah and then late that night is when the ubcs come into the city and then it must just go beyond midnight when the police make the last stand on the streets in the intro because you can pick up a photograph showing the police SWAT teams deploying and it says it's dated September 27th so it must just be after midnight because it's concurrent with the UBCS going in which they go in on the 26th obviously most of the police are killed in this battle and on September the 27th in the morning there's roughly about 20 survivors left which includes Elliot, Edward, David Ford uh, Marvin, Aaron, Tony Fred, Rita from Desperate Times and about 12 others including some civilians and then that afternoon zombies break through the west barricade and 12 more people are killed the ruined tables and the bullet holes in the walls in the west office are, are result of what happens here i think and the survivors begin to retreat in this battle and this is when the police are effectively split into two groups david ford takes his group through the door into the evidence room and into the west wing of the station and locks the door whereas marvin takes his group back out into the main hall and locks the door to the western office which is how you find it in desperate times so as i said the police are now split into two and it's it's really clear in the files when you read it all the, the officers in the west wing are david ford elliot edward 
Andy, which is just an NPC from Outbreak, and about eight others. David Ford locks some civilians inside the evidence room to keep them safe, and it's explained in the Biohazard 2 guidebook that some of these are infected, and they eventually turn into zombies, which is why when you play Resident Evil 2, which was written obviously before Resident Evil 3, you find four zombies in there. That was meant to be the explanation behind that. Wow. And the remake of 3 is going to destroy everything that John just said with the files that come out. Well, remake 2 already has because you've got the other survivors in the East Wing, Marvin and the characters from Desperate Times. Both groups are cut off from each other with no way of communicating and then obviously you've still got Chief Irons in his office, the mayor's daughter's hiding somewhere. You've got Ben in the cells with two other prisoners who you can meet in Desperate Times as well. So I counted them all up and I think the total number of people left in the station at this point is 21. And then David Ford and his colleague retreat back into the briefing room and he writes up the second operation report. They also start to barricade up the door connecting the corridor where you meet the first liquor in Resident Evil 2 to the corridor leading to the briefing room in in Resident Evil 3 that's barricaded up so they must have done that so David Ford's team's got access to the briefing room the eastern staircase the evidence room the dark room the upstairs corridor star's office and the library we're still on September 27th David Ford goes to the office next to the dark room to drink whiskey and he contemplates blowing his own brains out with his shotgun but he doesn't do this because he's interrupted by the first appearance of the liquor which kills three more of his team and then at some point a fire breaks out near the helipad because that's what we see in Desperate Times which takes place on the evening of the 27th and then you've got Desperate Times Times playing out. Aaron, Tony and Fred are killed here. Rita escapes. Marvin is wounded and locks himself in the West office. At some point he must come out and barricade the doors in the main hall because there's no one else who he can literally be, to be honest. And then by September 28th there's 14 people left alive. There's Marvin, David Ford, Elliot Edward, Ben, the two other prisoners, Chief Irons, the Mayor's daughter and six others. And then Operation Report 2 happens at 2.30am that day when the West Wing of the station is attacked by zombies and Four more are killed, including David Ford. So Elliot Edward writes this operation log saying there's just him and three others left. And that's when they decide to try and escape via the sewer once they find a a safe route through the station. So by the time Jill arrives in Resident Evil 3 on the afternoon of September 28th, in total there's six other officers left alive in the stations. Chief Irons, Marvin, Elliot Edward and his three colleagues. But when Jill moves through what she can access in the police station in Resident Evil 3, she should in theory run into Elliot Edward and his team because that's the only part of the station they can be in. But because we never see them, the only room they can be in is the library. I mean, Jill does find Marvin unconscious in the rest office, but when you go back there, he's got up and left. His body's disappeared. Presumably, when Jill leaves the station, Elliot and his three friends come out of their hiding place, remove the barricades from all the doors because they're obviously not there in Resident Evil 2. They eventually abandon their plan of escaping through the sewers and instead try and signal the rescue helicopter, um, which obviously takes some time to achieve because all communications are down. I know I'm deviating slightly here, but if you go into September 29th, before Leon and Claire arrive, one by one, Elliot's three colleagues are all killed off. And by the time Leon and Claire arrive at the beginning of RE2, only Elliot remains and we see him get killed on the heliport just as his rescue arrives. And this last part is just purely my theory, but when you play Resident Evil 2, you'll notice you'll find three police officer corpses that are not present in the same rooms in desperate times two days earlier. One is in the East office, one's in the Night Watchman's room, and one's on the second floor corridor being pecked to death by crows. So I like to think these are the three guys that were with Elliot Edward. So that just leaves 
Chief's chief irons. And when Leon visits the cells, the two prisoners from Outbreak are missing. So that's basically the entire downfall of the police. It sounds a lot, but it's all in the files. And then Remake 2 comes along and just chucks it all in the bin. Can I state that was absolutely incredible? (laughs) I do believe as well, one of the scenarios that you would have assumed would have been in File 3 has those two convicts in it. So I'm guessing you would have seen their story of Mm. how they escaped. Yeah, but it is. It's interesting, and that was that was one of the big disappointments for Remake Two that they just didn't consider any of that and just tossed it all away. This is why it's very easy for me to just put that in a non-canon mm. territory because mm. I don't see why you would write off all that, all the games that tell that storyline, just for the sake of a remake when you know the original game exists fine. Uh, I'm just going to check on my array of pizzas. Yeah, guess of five minutes or so in there. <sighs> <laughs> Frustrating thing is, Nick, I think a lot of that's on the cutting room floor. Yes. The first trailer does depict life in the village before the incident, so I think we were due to see all that in an earlier build. And For me personally, it's heartbreaking that a lot of this... Uh, if people go back and watch the original reveal trailer for Village, you will see an entire trailer full of villager sequences that are not in the final game. And a lot of it is life before the carnage, as you call it. Got- oh, fuck. Time. <laughs> Oven, pizza. <laughs> <laughs> fucking kitchen is on fire. There's just smoke coming from the oven. I can't breathe. You must let the community know the truth. Gain this cannon. Suddenly, out of the darkness, a creature lunges, grabbing Lucia and pulling her into the sea. <laughs> I don't believe this. Leon, wait here. I'm going in after her. Leon waits for Barry to surface. Lucia from the ocean. They both make it onto the deck of the ship. Take it easy, girl. You're going to be alright. That's it. Deep breaths. Oh, jeez. Not again. Eerily standing behind Mary and Lucia is another Lucia. What's going on? I'm Lucia. Don't believe her. I'm Lucia. Don't either of you move a muscle. She's lying! I'm the real Lucia. Barry, look at this! Lucia nicks her hand with a knife. And oozes red blood. Ouch. Good thinking, Lucia. I don't believe it. It's turning into another creature. Long live Gaiden. Hashtag Gaiden is canon. Hashtag Gaiden is life. Yeah, there's there's a lot about this game that kind of keeps your interest and and, and keeps uh, you know kind of keeps you going with it. And you know, Stars makes a good point that maybe it wasn't designed necessarily to sit down and, and play it through all in in one hit, but to kind of maybe come back to it, uh, pick it up and put it down and pick it up again. There's a lot about it to kind of keep your interest and wanting you know for you to come back and, and continue and come back to the game. And you know what? Shout out to you, Jerry, because you know you and Nick, you really are sort of. I, I would be happy to say you guys are the ambassadors of Gaiden in the community. You know, the, the infectious enthusiasm enthusiasm you you both have for this title you know and why and why shouldn't it have that maybe sounded started off disingenuous but it absolutely wasn't we have one space left on our top 10 nine spaces have been taken we now finish off with a round robin i'm going to go through a couple of other canon debatable entries into the resident evil series All I need from you guys, a yes or no for any of them. Here we go. Operation Raccoon City. No. 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 Resident Evil Gaiden. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
No. 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 Oh, same, same, same. The Mercenaries 3D. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Confidential report. Yes. I, I, I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that's a no. 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 Mahara Desire. No. 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 Heavenly Island. No. 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 Finally, Biohazard the Stage. No. 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 And not Voice of Guy either. Good. We are actually Resident Evil fans. We, are, we do like the series. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is relevant to canon in Toys of Village. Yeah. yeah, this is this is it is important to remember that this is just strictly for a beginner's roadmap to to village. I was going to say something. Uh, on the last podcast, Ink, you said something about some face on the mansion. Um, yes, did what, you see it? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the first bit of news to discuss is Biohazard Operation Raccoon City has now been released in Japan with sales figures. Mm, surprisingly good. The Horrors Alive reported this with 252,525 copies sold in its first week, which is, as you said, not bad. How did that compare to America? Um, I don't have uh, the figures on me, but sure someone does here. Well, you know, I've been trying to sell off my copies. I'm living lavish <laughs> right now. I just bought my hot tub because all y'all haters thought that I wouldn't be able to sell any. <laughs> well, that's at least 5,000 copies of Southern America. <laughs> yeah, Smiley, <laughs> how much were you offering with each copy that you were giving away? Sold each one for 500 at first because I didn't know if I could sell a single one, and then I brought the price down. I was talking in terms of, you know, paying people to take them off your hands, you know. How, how many did, have you sold, do you think, now, Smiley? Mm, four. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us an exact figure on how many you bought? You just said vaguely boxes to I me. spent my inheritance on about a good thousand. Well, I played Leon's campaign first. I was excited by this because the suggestion was for the survival horror fans, there was a campaign that was suited for you. The only difference I could see between this campaign and the others was just less zombies and less was happening. I didn't particularly like the controls, the aiming system seems quite off obviously there's no progression in the graphics which isn't a, a big point for me i think the point's been made you know what we've lost in graphics we've gained in a much larger game but there were so many additions to this that just took away any feeling of tension or horror for me you know this on-screen map indicator i mean it regresses the art of finding a destination to the level of ease fit for a primary school child i mean it's ridiculous <laughs> kind of taking by the hand and saying go there go there go there well, no, it's not. No, no, wait, wait. Can I correct you? Not biohazard. Umbrella in, in, corpse. Because I've gone through the press. They, yeah, yeah. Oh, in, in, is I it think in, uh, in the Asian market, it's going to have the biohazard branding. Oh, I was in my little I world think, of denial. I must say, someone in um, someone in Capcom has geniusly named this title because umbrella corpse just really does imply it is dead on arrival, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> it's just. <laughs> development for it was so long coming to it and i just remember being so excited 
it was the first time I'd imported one of the games in quite a while because you could do the swap trick on the GameCube. I got a you know, action replay ordered in as well so I could swap it out. And I remember sitting down the first day being super excited and, and playing through it and being able to do that at the same time everyone else was when it was coming out in the US. And I just remember really, really enjoying that experience. And I've never really disliked 4 every time I've gone back. I've, there's definitely bits of it where I go, oh, not this section and not this thing. It's one of those games that's been very diverse in its history. At the time it was released, it was universally loved. It changed the franchise. Yeah, it's an important legacy game in the history of gaming. Now, you get that one scene where you see him outside in the woods uh, hunting. So I'm kind of wondering ah. if you do meet him for a little bit like at first you're in the village everything's kind of cool then when it starts getting darker out like the other villagers start freaking out a little bit i'm kind of wondering if the first section is like an open world type deal where you're going around to house to house and everyone's just kind of freaked the fuck out about what's going on that would that would be really good if that you got would like be good. More, more village walking around and then as it as, as you yeah. say as nightfall starts to descend things start going really wrong yeah, you start that getting people really saying hey you don't need that. to be here after dark you're an outsider you need to, you need to go that, that could that could be really scary early on i think we as far as the english language audiences go we we got like a very non-committal comment from Capcom that these were just reimaginings of the scenarios and that they didn't take an overall precedence. But then we've had later comments, Peter Fabiano in particular has made the comment that they both basically exist in the same environment, which for two kind of works, as, as Nick's alluded to, kind of that, and Sean made the comment that Cliff Notes version, all the main plot points of two happen, in, but the three is such a grand departure from a lot of the story points and scenario situations, like obviously Jill not going to, to the RPD and the way Brad's demise is and all that sort of stuff is quite varied and changed compared to the original. And so that's where it becomes a, such a confusing kind of situation. I mean, uh, I guess it's a good chance to ask you, Alex, has any of that been portrayed in Japan? Is, is there discussions about that from anyone over there? Or is it just something that's just accepted for what it is? I do think people have asked that question. I don't know if people consider it much of a big deal. I think the story has always been kind of seen as a means to an end rather than something for people to dissect you know, in great detail, like a lot of us have done. So I, don't, I guess if you know Japanese, you know, there are like certain expressions that allow us to write off these inconsistencies in a very natural way. It's, it's kind of hard to describe, but for example, like when the original RE3 came out, when you went to the RPD and you saw the boarded up doors. I, I think the answer is the developers don't want you to go through that door is enough for people here. And then there's like a, there's a, there's a linguistic expression that kind of allows that to slide. And then people just accept it. <laughs> Whereas in English, I don't know if, if that's as easy to do. There's an expression in Japanese that, that literally translates, we cannot be helped, or there's nothing we can do about it. And I, I feel like that's what the average Japanese Resident Evil fan would say when they see like something that's not consistent with RE2. It'll, they'll, they'll just end up saying, oh, well, what can you do? You know, keep playing the game. I hope everyone has enjoyed those clips. As long-term listeners will know, towards the end of every podcast, we, of course, have uh, Neptune's Biohazard Quiz, which is uh, my, one of my personal highlights. I very much enjoy doing them. Just a bit of background information. It was always touted right from the very beginning. Go back to episode zero, and the quiz is very much present. Back when me, John, and uh, George were creating the podcast and what we're going to discuss and making it lore-centric, I kind of popped the idea that it could get quite serious, I think. I, think, I, I felt that there was always the opportunity because we we've always planned on being quite 
I say nerdish, but you know what I mean? Kind of like quite in depth in our discussions that if we had something a bit lighthearted towards the end of the podcast, it will leave a slightly nicer taste perhaps to listeners and, you know, a nice bit of a nice way of ending any podcast. So, yeah, John, do you, do you remember those early days and <laughs> talking about having a quiz? I do, yeah, I remember because the plan was always to make the podcast quite serious in tone and. Yeah, it was very much your idea to put um, a quiz on at the end and make it a bit more lighthearted. And I think it really does complement each episode. Although, as the years have gone on, we've had some absolutely uh, calamitous quizzes. I mean, I still get a cold sweat every time you mention a veto question or every time you mention some sort of special bonus round that you've concocted with this giddy little sound in your voice. I, I just I break out in a cold sweat. But yeah, the, the quiz has always been one of the most enjoyable parts of the um, the podcast. Very, very fun to do. And yeah, I think it complements the uh, the work we do really well. Yeah, so Rob, you always always look forward to your groan when non-canon corner. <laughs> I was going to say, when you, when you guys talk about this, the point of like having it as a difference from self, from being so serious to, to, to how serious it sometimes gets taken, it's quite funny in its regards. Especially all of us going, oh, Nick, not again. Yeah. You know, like, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it, it is, but it's definitely, it's, 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 it's given us some of the best moments and some of the funniest moments, I think, as well. And, and, and it makes, it is something to look forward to every episode, even if, even if we make it sound like we, we hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, for, again, for your listening pleasure, um, I've been able to go back through the archives and find some of the best moments. I suspect your favourite will be here. Pop up the popcorn and let's listen back to all seven seasons of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Five questions, three participants, and one topic. It's Neptune and Newsies. Biohazard Quiz! Minds will be tested. I I have an answer, but it's based on a thread that Welsh made. Experiments will be undertaken. I've been told by the boss that you have to be deducted a point. Fuck off. Great knowledge is needed. <laughs> I got massive knot out of five last time. And a new power will arise. Jesus what Christ. Christ. <laughs> question is that? Well, you said oh, these questions weren't hard. No, no, no. I don't know. 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 I don't Time for Neptune and Newsies Biohazard Quiz! New format. New questions. And new challenges. 
cast a new quiz to test the resolve. Neptune's Biohazard Quiz! New season. New questions. New answers. especially as a competition between individuals or teams as a form of entertainment, usually hosted by a quiz master. Can I just ask, have you had all of these uh, questions independently verified? He doesn't even know the general knowledge stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Why is, is this man the quiz master? It's not going to be one of these quizzes, is it? <laughs> I think well, we look, should be. I think we should get another question, John. Don't you? Already fallen into controversy. It's already fallen into. Yeah, well, that, that was to be expected. I, I'm once again Nick is at the centre of that controversy. <laughs> Absolutely. This is Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. For the past eight years and five seasons, we have brought you groundbreaking lore in-depth analysis, game reviews, and high-quality content. We've also brought you untold controversies and countless tales of underhand tactics, all in aid of the quiz. Uh, I'd just like to announce everybody that uh, this is zero points for me this week. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. So my nomination person said seven, but I didn't agree with seven. I said it was 17, and then you said it was 17. I didn't want people to think I'm cheating by just saying the same number that someone else has said. So I just, just the next number that sounds similar to seven is 17. I swear I did not cheat, yo! <laughs> Quite frankly, if, if we only got one point and that's the winning score, then we're not doing our jobs right and we're all going to have to hand in our biohazard cards. <laughs> Welcome to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. 25 years of Resident Evil. 
10 years of the Resident Evil podcast. Expert knowledge is needed in what we call the quiz. This is my only opportunity for a point this week. Uh, I'd just like to announce everybody that uh, this is zero points for me this week. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. We've talked about the games straying too far from the origins. This Resident Evil quiz. <laughs> We're now getting Spice Girls as the correct answer. I mean, it's time to quit. Welcome to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Jesus what? Christ! What? Any question is that? Batman. Star Tyrants. George Trevor. Neptune Biohazard Quiz. I always feel the need to let people know where we get the music for the quiz from, because I, I doubt it's well known within England, let alone outside of it. Is it Bruce Forsyth's Play Your Cards Right, Nick? It is, yeah. So now I think anyone across the seas needs to Google Bruce Forsyth <laughs> and play your cards right and have a, have a look at his doddy birds. <laughs> Amazed. The strange thing is, if you look at him, he actually looks younger in the 70s than he does now. Well, you should do. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he is younger in the 70s. <laughs> so of course he's going to look younger. I think that's called ageing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Now. He, looks, he looks younger now than he did in the 70s. And finally, question number five. It's the music question. Yay. You're listening to The Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven. A classic, of course, appears in Resident Evil 1. But what comes next? G-sharp, C-sharp, E. 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 A, C-sharp, E. A, D. What? What you what are we looking for? Just a, a random letter? <laughs> the next note, yes. <laughs> well, is it just a letter or is it something sharp? I'm not going to say that information. You've got to repeat that once. So, yeah, so you're listening to The Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven, a classic tune from the Resident Evil series. But what comes next? G-sharp, C-sharp, E-sharp, G-sharp, C-sharp, E, G-sharp, C-sharp, E, G-sharp, C-sharp, E, G-sharp, C-sharp, E, G-sharp, C sharp E, G sharp C sharp E, G sharp C sharp E, A C sharp E, A D. Is it just one note? Yes, yes. We're looking for one note. Yeah. But that doesn't. I'm so, I'm sorry to be pedantic, but how is that a reflection of my knowledge of Resident Evil? It's not. <laughs> but it's not so a... then it's void as a question. No, it, it, it gives everyone a good guess. I like I like a question where everyone has to have a good guess. It makes sense if if you. Oh. You should have asked the thing about the in Resident Evil 3 with the, the clock tower little music box puzzle. That would have been better. Would it? Sorry. But it... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, oh, fucking hell. I but if you, if you watch Jill playing enough, you'd know the answer. 
Yeah. Well, would you? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I'll leave you to ponder these. Join us after this when we'll run through the answers. Anyway, question number five was the uh, music round with Moonlight Sonata. Um, it was nice to hear that again. I really don't need to repeat it, but it was G sharp, C sharp, E times by eight. Then A, C sharp, E, A, D, what? What is the next note? George, did you know what the next note was? Of course I fucking didn't. Um, <laughs> you must have a guess. I'm not Mozart. Beethoven. Beethoven. <laughs> even, even him. <laughs> fucking hell. Well, I mean, uh, E. E, right. Batman. Yeah, I'm going to guess E. Total guess, though. E. Star Staring. C sharp. We had to go showing off with the sharp bit. I have no idea. The answer is F sharp. Oh, of course it was. I'm going to, I'm going to give Star's Tyrant half for the sharp. Whoa, whoa, what about me and Batman? Because you know the letter E is just before F in the alphabet. Absolutely. Because he got half the point right with the sharp. But if you, if you had said E sharp, George, you'd have got you'd have got half. I just thought it was a bit it would have been a bit ostentatious to mention sharps. And... <laughs> Plus, we've got a bonus question six. In this particular quiz, it's an odd one out. So question six will be, which of your five answers is the odd one out? There is a connection running through all five, but obviously one of them is phony. So can you identify that connection? Okay. I will tell you now that the connection can be in-universe or even out-of-universe. So an example would be that perhaps all five answers, or four answers in this case... They've all appeared. Uh, they've all, all, all appeared in a particular game, or they've all had file references in a particular game, or perhaps all surnames of all the people that you've answered are also presidents of the United States of America. It could be. It could be as diverse as that, gentlemen. Okay. Uh-huh. So that's what you've got to think of. Um, all five questions. The actual answers are only worth half a mark each because they're so easy. But you've got to think, what is connecting your answers? But we'll go through the same format, asking the five questions, and then we'll see what everyone's got. So if everyone can clear their desktops, you can open up Notepad. Now, one of these answers is the odd one out, and you'll get one point if you can tell me which is the odd one out, and two points if you can tell me the connection. Can you read out the answers again? Yes, I can. So question number one uh, was um, Deborah Harper. The answer to question number two was Angela Miller. The answer to question three was Rita. The answer to question number four was Monica. And the question number five was Jessica Sherawat. I have a theory. You have I, was a think, I, I was thinking I female pop theory. stars. And <laughs> well, as I said, it can, be, it can be in universe or out of universe. So, Batman, have you any idea which is your which do you think is the odd one out? Um, for a point. Which is the odd one out? Question one, two, three, four, or five? Um, I have no idea, to be honest. Four. And what's the connection? Uh, and they're all female. Yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, Robbie, which is the uh, odd one out? I'm going to go with three, and I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> George Trevor? Um, for the steal, really. This is this is the key. Yeah. It's going to end up being something really obvious in the end, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, no, uh, knowing you, Nick, I don't think it's going to be in universe the connection. Right. So uh, I'm. Um, that would involve too much re knowledge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I've, uh, so I'm, I'm going to say Monica is the odd one out. 
Right. And it's got Sonic something to do with pop music. Stars Star. Band- no idea. Oh, I thought you had a theory. That's why I left you to uh, I did, but then I was going to say uh, something like questions three and four don't have surnames and the connection is they're both outbreak characters. I mean, you're not wrong, obviously, with those type of things, but that's a bit obvious. There is a stronger connection. And uh, what was your answer, sorry, Ty? Potentially, of course, if you get, if, even if you get, get it right, you may. Other I'll, I'll say Rita, then. Question three. I don't know why. I'm afraid no points scored. The the odd one out was question number one, Deborah Harper, for the obvious, the fairly obvious connection that all the other answers are female characters that appeared in Lou Bega's hit Mumbo Number no. Five. Oh, God. I was right. It's, I said it. I didn't do a pop music. <laughs> Oh my oh, god! And just for our listeners, how in the moist barrel of fox are you supposed to get that? <laughs> <laughs> and for our listeners, let's listen to that extract of the song. I like Angela, Pamela, Sandra, and Rita, and as I continue, you know they're getting sweeter. A little bit of Monica in my life, a little bit of Erica by my side, a little bit of Rita's all I need. Yes, all the characters, Angela, Rita, Monica, and Jessica. <laughs> in Mumbo number five. <laughs> so that means the winner of the quiz is Batman with two points. Well done, Batman. Oh, brilliant. It was obvious, but it's not that obvious. <laughs> So, depending on how well that went down, we'll either do a, a similar theme to that next time, or we'll just have a standard five-question quiz. Join us next time when you'll find out the answers to that question. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I was planning the quiz, and it just—I think it happened to come on on the radio, and I just noted that oh, they're in Resident Evil. Oh, so she. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know what? We could do a quiz around this. Batman. I have no idea. I've never ever played the Code Veronica battle game. Have you? <gasps> oh, wow. Okay, that's a shocker, even for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good mini game. So, Daisy, can you describe picture number two? He's got a white gown and naked and bare feet. He's got, like, a short and a bit short and, and long hair. He's got a, something like a gold on his on his wrist. It's like a bracelet, but a bit bigger and he's got like some tattoos on his arm things or sleeves it could be and he's got a right rope around his waist with a bow at the very end he's got a, like a torn pattern at the bottom he's got like wing things on 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 the neck thing on the neck sneak into a louisiana ghost house is the sewer gators episode what <laughs> He's refusing, ref, refusing to come on. Oh, these, these online friendships are paper thin. <laughs> to be fair, I did pick Sonny because he said, "Don't put me on," and now he's saying, "Don't put me yeah. on." I can't be that surprised. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, joke would say that. <laughs>
Oh dear. Sonny, you're you're live. Any answer? Any episode number? John, John, get out of here. Just give me a number, Sonny. That can be JC, your... JC Wesker goes to episode nineteen sixty nine. Please please leave. <laughs> <laughs> um no clue. No clue at all. Guess a number. Yeah, uh, episode uh, seven. Episode seven. That's noticed. So thank you, Sally, for your answer. That um, Rob will use that. Thank you for bringing me. Thank on, you, Sally. No worries. Thanks for the call. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, that was your phone, a friend. I hope it. I hope it helped. So I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to agree or disagree. You can do whatever you like with that information. I can do whatever I want. I'm going to disagree because it was a complete stab in the dark. <laughs> I actually just wanted to guess the number, but I know it's 17. <laughs> You've gone for 17, have you? Sean, start out. What's your uh, answer? I went for um, six. I had absolutely no idea. Okay. George Trevor? No, it's funny because you just pay so much attention to stuff in RE7 and little details, but things like that, I suppose, because they're not kind of connected to like the horror or something, which just come right over my head. I'm assuming it. all you see it on is the timestamp on the VHS. It's, I just, I've no idea. It's, I saw it on the, there's a old a file picture of it. The yeah, pam- it's pamphlet. in the van, isn't it? Yeah, isn't on it, the pamphlet. It's in the van. Yeah. yeah. How's it? All right. Yeah, the only reason I do remember this is I just wanted to put Sunny on the spot because I thought it was funny. <laughs> it's also the episode it referenced uh, in the demo, I think. So, George, you have a number for me. I should have interrupted before because I thought I was being asked just now. I was just saying it's in the van, but these are the details I don't notice. I've got no. Oh, just to guess, then seven. Oh, no, that's seven. what someone else said. So. No, no, well, that's interesting. No, you can say that. Fine. No, it was, it's just to guess. Uh, but if someone already said that, no, I'll say 17. No, 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 no one said seven. Well, someone has said seven, but no one's given that as an official answer, so you can have seven if you want, GG. Uh, no, no, because I, I don't want to follow someone else. Uh, right. I'll say 17. Thanks. <laughs> well, so the answer is episode 17. I don't believe it. So... Thanks, GT. You, you said you wouldn't follow anyone, but you still followed my answer. I'm really confused. It's... I'm so confused right now. Hang on a minute. That was exactly the same. I'm really confused as as that famous question. <laughs> the, the, the way it's, this it's is the like... new. This is so I'm the new. Okay, I'm flashbacks just, in my brain. Just to get this right. So, so my nomination person said seven, which is then said seven. <laughs> But I didn't agree with seven. I said it was seventeen, and then you said it was seventeen. I I, I swear to you, I didn't hear what Rob Rombie said at all. <laughs> and I, the only reason I didn't want to go, and when Rombie said I said seven, I didn't want people to think I'm cheating by just saying the same number that someone else has said. So I just just the next number that sounds similar to seven is seventeen. I I swear on my son's life, I didn't know you then said seventeen. I just wanted to, I just wanted to say any number that wasn't what you said, which you said was seven. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I did not cheat, yo, yo, fuck off. <laughs> oh my god. We're now on to question three, so listen up, John, uh, which is the an, an odd one out question. This so which is, is the odd, odd one out between the following characters? Yoko Suzuki, David Ford, or Kevin Ryman? John, you need some time to think, so we'll start with Batman. Kevin Ryman and David Ford were both police officers and Yoko wasn't. Okay. Um, George Trevor? I, so I thought it had something to do with NASA. Um, <laughs> um, that's me. Fucking Jesus. <laughs> this way is <laughs> 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 
It's killing me. This quiz is the umbrella core of our podcast. It's fucking ruined. Oh, dear. We haven't got the answer yet. Oh, God. Right, go, Cameron. Can I just ask, where did NASA come I've, from? I've, I've, got, I've got no idea. If you Google David Ford, you can. He's an astronaut in real life, I think. Because I just use pictures of astronauts. So you admit to go- using no Google one? I thought I could at least be allowed to know what game he was in. I thought Nick would tell us who he was. Can I just... I've never Googled anything before on this quiz. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. You can guess. You might, I suppose you get oh, half, um, half a point for getting the right person. Who's the odd one out? Yeah. David Ford, because he's the only one who's got a, a namesake who's an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> I like your train of thought. The caveat, of course, to this question was you've got to think like me, and I, I think very weird. Uh, Stars Tyrant? Well, there's so many answers. There are so many answers, that's right. Because, you know, you could say David Ford, Kevin Ryman are RPD officers and Yoko isn't. Mm-hmm. So Yoko's the odd one out. You could say David Ford's the only character that hasn't been represented physically in a game. So then he's the odd one out. Yep. You could say he's also the odd one out because he's not in Outbreak. Mm-hmm. So it really is up to whatever the answer is. You know, this is worse than the fucking lottery. This is. How, how do I know you're just not going to change the answer? Because I've got the answer what? written down, and it's. Then so I'm Sean, don't worry if you don't win the lottery. Just ask and you can draw the numbers again if your numbers don't come out. <laughs> then I'm going to say. Then I'm going to say it will be Yoko because she's not an RPD officer. Okay. Uh, Rombi? I was going to guess Yoko. I had no idea why. I just was pecking at random. <laughs> okay. And Mr. Spencer? Well, this is like what Sean said, isn't it? When it's like, you could, it could be it could be any of them. Yeah. Because of various reasons. So this isn't about finding the truth to something. This is about how what, how to get inside your fucking mind. Correct. Right? And Which I'm thinking, shit. right. Which is stupid. <laughs> right? So I'm going to think, right. This, is, okay. this goes back. This goes back to the old Shooting Stars style question. You remember Shooting Stars when there used to be, name a breed of dog, and someone <laughs> would say Labrador, and it's, no, it's German Shepherd, and they would fucking get the answer wrong. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a load ridiculous. of bollocks. Right? So now, I think the, the, the key to answering this question correctly is to think, right, what would Nick say? Now, what's yeah. Nick like as a person? Let's see, he's conservative, voted leave, Daily Mail reader. Um, I'm going to say... <laughs> well, if, if, this is, if this is Nick's question, then the answer will be wrong. Yeah. I'm, 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 I don't want to do this, but I'm going to say it's um, Yoko because she's not a police officer. It's the obvious answer, but again, it worries me because it's obvious, but I'm going to go with that. Sadly, I should say on a, on a legal point, I can't be done for cheating because I accidentally Googled Kevin Ford, right? not, not whoever you are. Ke- you, 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 you actively admit to having a browser open during the quiz. It's fucking unbelievable. <laughs> Who the fuck's Kevin Ford? He's a NASA astronaut and retired US Air Force. Okay. How many times do you have the browser open? I opened it. I didn't have it open. Well, there's one for Paul, well, obviously. This throws it's the David whole Ford. quiz into disrepute. No, well, I, it was already on U, U- porn, so I just... Well, we know, it, we know where it was, because we remember that fucking podcast, don't we, boys, when uh, <laughs> the porn quizzes happen, yeah. Let's get back to the answer. Now, the clue was actually in the names. The odd one out was Kevin Ryman. Because the other two are brands of car, where Ryman is a stationer's. 
That just makes me angry. There was no fucking way, because you know, that, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm actually pissed now. I'm fucking annoyed. Yeah, I know, that's made me annoyed as well. You, it's no, not even a Resident Evil themed answer. That's what I mean. That, no. Just, just continue, because... Protest, protest. Is, you know we would come at it from a law point of view. <laughs> That is basically like saying that, that is that is the equivalent of saying what are the six lottery numbers that are going to be drawn tonight, and if you get one wrong, the answer is wrong. It's fucking bollocks. Do you know what the answer to what? this is? Everyone just gets a point anyway. <laughs> Except Paul, because he googled stuff. <laughs> <laughs> The answers that were given tonight were logical. They were within the series. We gave canon sort of reasons for it. But no, it's because we didn't know the car manufacturers. It's quite obvious, Suzuki Ford. I know know that now. You've you've managed to induce more hatred than Umbrella Court. The worst part part is this, Sean, right? If you turn round now and rightly say to Paul, well, hang on, he's been Googling. That's cheating. That's against the rules. He'll just go. I mean, NASA. There was some NASA thing here with it. <laughs> and he fobs his way out of it. He fobs his way out of it. That's not an answer. <laughs> Did that even mean what? <laughs> George will probably win this quiz. <laughs> Cheated his way to it. Oh, sorry. sorry. I'm crying my eyes out. <laughs> That question I, is, is I, fucking I, bullshit. And this question comes from Vito. On what date was the first draft of George Romero's screenplay for the first Resident Evil movie completed? Jesus what? Christ. What <laughs> question is that? What? You said what? these questions weren't hard. No, no, I don't know. Vito might as well just have said, you know, what, what sandwich was I eating in 1985 <laughs> behind the bike shift? <laughs> Fucking hell. What sandwich were you eating back in <laughs> What was the manufacturer of Spencer's ventilator? <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't blame me. He, he personally PM'd me with this one. Counting only the main series titles, name me a villain that has appeared at least three times and finally killed in the last appearance. Well, obviously they'd probably be killed in their last appearance. Well, not necessarily, there's flashbacks and things. Oh, flashbacks. I'm looking for a specific answer. Well, the obvious answer is going to be Albert Wesker. Actually, maybe not, because when you say... Well, he was in Code Veronica, so that's a main title. Code Veronica is part of the main series. Okay, okay, so he was in Code Veronica, he was in Ori 5, he was in Ori 4... He was in Ori 1, so that's at least whatever appearances. He died in his last appearance, which is Ori 5. Well, actually, he was in... Actually, Revelations 2 is not part of the main, so... He was in a picture in there, but that doesn't count. Um, okay, that's one. Um, I can't villains that turned up. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of Alaska here. It's the only one that makes sense. Spencer was only an RE5, technically, wasn't he? Albert Wesker is a final answer for 100 points. Albert Wesker. Albert Wesker is incorrect. Matt Chrysler. Okay. <laughs> the, answer, the answer I was looking for is obviously the infamous boulder.
Oh, fucking hell. Oh, uh, yes, Debuted in Resident Evil Remake, harassing Jim and Chris in the underground caverns. It then relocated to Spain and attacked Leon before finally appearing in Africa six years later where it was punched to death by Chris Redfield. Unlucky, gents. Brilliant. Unlucky. Brilliant. Brilliant. You're Brilliant. Shit, at, shit at these bonus questions, I have to, uh, I have to admit. Moving on to round three. This is the open round, so anyone can buzz in. So we really want to see those fingers. Right. <laughs> I will say this, if you buzz and get it wrong, you personally locked up. So, where do you find the two cures for the E-type infection? Dean, go on. Okay, there's one in the attic, and I don't know the other one. Can we have half a point? <laughs> Why did you <laughs> buzz in? You know? No, incorrect. <laughs> Batman. There's one in the Marguerite's uh, altar, does she call it? The D-series head, and then the D-series arm is in the secret room on the second floor of the old house. Incorrect. George. The hand section is is taken from where the little boys locked up in, yeah, it, it's not the attic, it, it's, um, it's the room above his bedroom. I was to become a god. Uh, they're both in one place. They're in that box that you get, and you get... No, wait, because if you had two, you'd give them to Zoe and Mia. Fuck it. I messed up. I thought there were two in that box that you use at the, after you beat Jack, right? Or before Jack. There's a little box thing with a cure in it, and you've got to choose between Mia and Zoe. That's a cure, isn't it? Rombie. Is it? Oh, this isn't the main game. This is bloody the end of Zoe. Um, the Umbrella Soldier has the first one, and fuck, I can't remember where the second one is. I don't know. I don't know. That's I can't remember where the second one is. I remember grabbing the first one off him. It's the, there's two in that. Correct. Yes, it's the Blue Umbrella Corpse has one, and the other is the Paddle Boat. Ah. In the paddle boat. That was tough. That was tough. Well, that was tough. To... Nice yeah. question. It was more of a trick question, wasn't it, really? It was yeah. to make you think of someone else. Bro, well, well done, Nick. It's a good one. <laughs> it wasn't mine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. There we, there we are. And finally, question number five was, how many experiments did Simmons and Carla do before uh, their C-virus work was complete? A very odd number. Uh, Rombi. Ugh, I have no idea. 627. 627. Uh, Batman? Uh, 12,225. 12,225. Okay, Mr. Spencer? 12. 12. 12, okay. Uh, Stars Tyrant? Oh, I just went really low because I had no idea. I went 11. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. <laughs> uh, sadly, it's 12,200. Oh, my God. And 35. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> so you are 10 out. That's unfortunate. Maybe you ought to revise these numbered questions, like when it's like that, and just have the person... I'm convinced when Vito asks, sends these questions out, right, and he hears us, like, struggling over it, I bet he gets <laughs> off to it. <laughs> Let's have a look at the final scores. This week's winner with two points is Batman... In second place, it stars Tyrant with half. Uh, and joint third is Romby and Mr. Spencer with zero. So well done, everyone. But So that concludes up... Whoa! What's that noise? Uh-oh. Uh, That's yeah. our bonus non-cannon corner round alarm going off. There we go. We have a bonus non-cannon corner round. This question is a bonus round. It's worth two points. So, Romby, you, you can still win this. 
Where'd you pick on me? Got the car manufacturers again. I dread to think what this is going to so be. So this comes in on USS Command, and it's a beauty. Okay, so we want you to think very carefully. What is the name of the adult biohazard game exclusively available in Japan? By adult, I mean pornographic. And George Trevor would have got that one. Yeah. yeah, pornographic one. Like, is this official? I don't think it's official. Right, is it a dojinshi? I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh, clearly that's not the answer. No, no, no. It's 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 a form of um erotic comic. That's what he called him in. Oh Japan. yeah, probably. I think it is. Because yeah. a friend knows his stuff about that yeah. thing. A friend, a friend, friend, knows friend his stuff about that thing. Yeah. Because yeah. a friend reads them. So, what is the name of the adult biohazard game exclusively available in Japan? This is worth two points. What's a game? It's a game, you said. At least a specific well, it, it, I think it's an interactive game slash comic thing. So it's a flash animation. Yes. I've... And it's, it's only in yes. Japan. And, it, and it's not official. Okay. So that could be a lot of things then. Because there's a lot of fucking Resident Evil. Yeah, it'd be a play on the name somewhere, won't it? I'd imagine. So has anyone got any answers? Rombie. I have no clue. <laughs> it could be anything. Have you got a funny na- play on name? No. Does Tarot, did you know it? No, I'm even trying to come up with just some cheap innuendo or a good pun, but yeah. I can't think of any. Oh, it's not too much like that, Mr. Spencer. I'm trying to think because it's got to be some kind of hentai, and I'm thinking it, it's. Mm. Can you come back to me while I think this over? Is that all right? <laughs> yes. Well, you've got enough time to use the old Google search engine. <laughs> yeah. Or check your comic book collection. Batman. Uh, umbrella Parks. <laughs> <laughs> oh god you're in the point for that that's amazing I had a good minute to think of that one to be fair <laughs> Mr Spencer any ideas right. I don't know if I can top Umbrella Porks because that was that was pretty good I don't know the answer I'm in a battleground on WoW don't care yeah. you can all google it afterwards but the answer is Biohazard 3 horror in the horny tentacle mansion <laughs> Is that That real? real. Is that honestly real? real. Is it canon? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I'm sure it is. Gotta be more canon than Umbrella Corpse. (laughs) Finally, question number four. What's that noise? (laughs) Oh, it's the non-canon alarm. Oh my days, brace yourself. This this question is even more non-canon than normal. It's so non-canon, it's meta. This comes in from Mako. This was something that was actually mentioned in a previous podcast, so were you paying attention? Which pop band would regularly have their music played at the Biohazard Cafe? Ooh, why is it non-canon? Because the Biohazard Cafe is not a canonical... Oh, so I was miles away. something Alex of... told us, but now I can't even remember. Um, it, it is I was something. thinking of the band that you get referenced in Outbreak. I wasn't thinking of the Biohazard Cafe. Regularly had their music played at the Biohazard Cafe in Tokyo. Oh, which... my God. What's Which that? band Just was... a real band. Yes. Oh, yeah, very much so. I mean, that, like, yeah, that's beyond non-canon. That's, that's what like, I said. <laughs> just ask us any... Just ask, any ask that's us not even a Resident Evil question. I know. I mean, just ask us anything. Well, not like, again, no. Ask us about... 
out, who just resigned from the cabinet. I can't remember this being mentioned on a previous podcast. Was it? Alex mentioned it in episode 64. Oh, it would help if I was there. I know. <laughs> no idea. Bloody Def Leppard, I don't know. Def Leppard. <laughs> George Trevor? My initial answer was the big E. It, it, no, it's, it's completely... I the question. Yeah. Think of um, a band. Well, it's going to be a Japanese band, and I don't know any J-pop bands, really. I'll give you a clue. It's not J-pop. No. Um, oh, okay. That's interesting. But obviously, it's gonna, it has to be a Japanese... Presumably, it's bars in Japan. I don't know. I've no idea. Elton John. Elton John. Okay. Star Starring. Well, until you said it's not not not, not a Japanese band, I was going to say Rise, who obviously did Gunshot oh, yeah. for yep. Dead Aim. I have no idea. Spice Girls, Nick. Spice Girls. Interesting. <laughs> Rumby. Yeah. yeah uh, Sean, Sean just took what I was about to say, because I remember Alex telling us about the people getting up yeah, to dance. Got something in the pinch of my mind. Was it Spice Girls? No. I'm now, now I'm like, was Couldn't it, was it Spice Girls? Was it Vinga Boys? Was it something like that? <laughs> it, it was so I wanted to say Spice Girls, but because Sean's already said, I'm going to say Venga Boys. If it's Venga Boys, I'll, I'll concede the whole series to Rob. Do you remember that? I remember oh what Alex telling God. us, and it was, it's now bugging me because I remember the description, but I cannot remember which which music he said. Oh, so this is infuriating. Yeah. <laughs> first asked that question, the first thing that jumped in, into my head was Spice Girls, and now you've said about Alex, I'm thinking as a memory just pinched the back of my brain and is informing that You're... Into my... Nick Nick take it away <laughs> Your memory serves you well. It is the Spice Girls. No. <laughs> what the hell? I knew it was... Oh, what is this series coming to? The moment, the moment Rob said about Alex and, and him mentioning it, I'm thinking, fucking hell, that's, I think that's where it's come from. I shouldn't have said that, damn it. <laughs> there we go. There we go. How, how are you coping there, Batman? I mean, we've, we've talked about the games straying too far from the origins. This Resident Evil quiz. <laughs> if we're now getting Spice Girls as the correct answer, I mean, it's time to quit, isn't it? It was seven, episode seven. Would you believe it? So no points to anyone. We were talking. You were talking res six at episode seven. Apparently so. No. Yeah. Let's have a look. Episode seven. Bollocks. The part has a six. Bloody hell! God, res. There's been there's been a lot of podcasts post six, isn't there? Let's have a look. Here we go. Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Project Umbrella podcast, where our staff members regularly hit the bottle after witnessing a massacre of their team. Any previews of our product? Oh no! Oh no! It's the wrong one. <laughs> he was wrong. I was right. Oh, well, you're still wrong. It must have been episode eight. Jesus Christ, you don't know anything. No way, no way. Resident Evil 6 feedback. I was was involved since then and I didn't come on board until about episode 14. Shit a brick, that's terrible. He doesn't even know the general knowledge stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Why is this bad with Chris Thank God we're retiring. Oh, how is that? Yeah. Fuck is that? What the fuck was that? What was that? Someone got porn on in the background. Who was that? It was not me, it was you, Nick. That wasn't me. Dirty bastard. That was not me. I thought that was... I thought John was making... I thought that was John making a joke about... 
What the fuck was that? <laughs> that was John. That was not. Me. That was you, John. No, I thought you purposely I did that because of the I heard it coming from your picture. You're fucking... watching porn. No, no <laughs> wonder you're not getting the questions right. I wasn't me. It was George Trevor. I saw his wasn't me. Like, it wasn't me. I saw your picture like up. Oh, don't lie. I saw it I'm like up. Oh, I heard it from you. <laughs> Oh dear, so on that note, I will bid you all farewell. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast. It's goodbye from me, Neptune. Goodbye from me, Batman. Goodbye from me, Tyrant. Star's Tyrant. And it's goodbye from me, Ark. Vincent, it's your mother. It's goodbye from me, too. <laughs> Stop doing those terrible podcasts and just come home. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye from me, George Trevor. Goodbye from me, Rombie. And it's goodbye from me, Mr. Spencer. Final word from me whilst we listen to this amazing tune from Resident Evil 3 Make. I'd like to personally thank everyone who has ever listened to our podcast, commented, and generally been involved with it. We've had such an amazing time over the past 10 years, whether you've sent in a question for the quiz or an MP3 review for one of the games or films. It means the absolute world to us that so many people listen to our podcast and have supported us for the past 10 years. A special shout out as well to our patrons who've been amazing. This has been a remarkable journey for the past 10 years and we just hope as the Resident Evil series continues to evolve, we will do so as well and you can look forward to to a stellar lineup of podcasts for the next 12 months at least. So, thank you again for listening and let's enjoy this track.
Resident Evil Podcast.